It's March 23rd, 2016. This is Idle Thumbs 255, and I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. And I'm James Spafford. And Jake is sick. Oh, yeah. He's sick. His Christmas tree is sick. What? He was, like, trying to cut down a Christmas tree, and he cut his arm or something. Didn't that happen? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) In January. Jake is actually also going to be out next week, because he's uh, going to be in Hawaii. Yeah, oh, man. Two yeah. Jakeless episodes. I know. Back to back Jakeless. Really, really strange. The whole new podcast. Who knew that Jake held the if podcast together? The fabric, the glue, the fabric. I think everyone knew that. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone did, actually. It's yeah. true. Oh, anyway, have you guys played video games? I heard your life was ruined by a mouse. Oh, yeah. Well, that's also true. <laughs> Not of the computer variety. Uh, actually, it was ruined by Factorio, which I played with a mouse, and then also... <laughs> you broke your mouse, but then you failed to destroy a right, mouse. Right. Yeah, it was just a classic, like, 1950s stupid cartoon happening in my apartment for, like, a week. Wait, did you did you solve it? Yeah, we did. Oh, man. So what happened? Wait, How so did ex- you explain what it? was going yeah. on with Well, I mouse. called the Orkin Man, of course. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, you spent like a week trying to like haplessly trap this oh, yeah. thing. Or, no, it was, I was just like, Nathan Lane. out the door. Just like, you know, I don't know what to do. And just running around my apartment trying Standing to Standing on chairs thing. going, oh! You know, like if robots were as fast as mice... <laughs> We would yes. be, we like when they be when they inevitably you mean, become yeah, when that, they become when they that. sorry yeah. yes when if they were now when the big mouse but when is they created. will be that fast that's when we will all be destroyed because there's literally no way to catch something that is as fast <laughs> as a mouse you can't there's, do it <laughs> the first time I saw him it was just a blur in the corner of my eye which is the same blur that will be the robot you know coming to right like, except it'll just, just smash be, it'll just face. be an autonomous knife exactly yeah <laughs> right and that'll be the blur that you see. In my case, it was, I think I just saw something, and then feeling insane for a straight 24 hours as my girlfriend told me, like, no, you didn't, you idiot. If there was a mouse in here, we'd see it. She's just, you know, like, hitting walls and just like, That's the come on out, that mouse. That is a screenplay line right there. Yeah, yeah. If there were a mouse in here, we could easily <laughs> right. see and it the with camera our just, eyes. <laughs> and the camera just slowly goes down to her feet level, you know, it just slowly pans down. Yeah. No, it just and pans it's just up. Right, it's just, like, crawling along the floor. Yeah. But then in it her hair. But then it runs away head. so fast that you can't see it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. How many mice did you have in your house? Well, we mouse. have one... So I trapped mouse. one in the closet, which became its what? own sort of like nuclear situation. Like, tr- like basically, you think like, oh, I can just contain this situation. I'll lock him in the closet, right? And then what? But then what? The what? Because end. he's so fast. If you open the door, then right. you don't know where he is. Then he's just like, right? Then he's just gone. You should have like piped poisonous yes. gas into your closet, <laughs> well, and then burned all your clothes. I mean, we we tried various in a mouse hole. Yeah, <laughs> there were a lot of boneheaded ideas that, that came to that came to like you know halfway being tried out, and then it's like the thing where you open the door. And then you're like, wait, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you close you're the like, door. What if we hold a big bag over the gone. door? Yeah. Like, oh, we, I mean, we tried to basically build like a little level for the mouse to run through. <laughs> oh my god! You know, like we we were like, oh, we've got this plywood and this cardboard box. What if we just try to make this like cool, you tried, you this cool like first person shooter like problem. corridor for this thing to just like go out the front door? You tried and to then do we, an experiment. Yeah. You tried to actually like, <laughs> right. turn this mouse into a lab mouse. Yeah, it's true. And then it it beat us. It just it just was smarter than the ex- the experimenters. Like we, we just were completely owned, totally pwned by this stupid mouse. It wouldn't leave. It knew what we were doing clearly. Like like you know, we built the level and then we opened the front door and 
then like we got like a ski pole. Yeah. We were trying to like shoo it out, and it was like I'm not a going anywhere. Pole. This is like a comfy nest. I've built a nest out of all your stupid old clothes that you don't use, <laughs> and now I like it here. And so then we were trying to like bang on the back of the like closet, hoping it would but just your go out. Loved you. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was it was a great, great. Well, they probably that. introduced the mo- mouse to begin with. That's true. I don't, I don't really like. There's a the really party, like but... weird guy next door who freaks out about things. Great. I guess. Guess what? Guess what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> I've got this really cool mouse hole shaped <laughs> drill bit. I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> drill a little mouse right. hole. They bugged my apartment, and they're just laughing in the other room, <laughs> just like. Um, that that's going to be a segment on the podcast next week. By the right. way, it was me. Yeah, good. <laughs> what if I pulled another? It what if that bear had a microphone? Yeah. What if that bear had a mouse in it? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that as soon as you opened the box, it was that mouse was deposited into your home. Yeah, and probably. that was the real. You thought you were outsmarting me by not pulling the pull tab. Right. Nope. Nope. That's the mouse. So what did the Orkin man do? He just killed the mouse. Yeah, he just walked in, and well, I mean, like he was very impressed that I had caught it in a closet, but then also kind of disturbed by, by what was happening because we opened the door and it's just that mouse had just had a party in there for like five days and there was just you know they poop like once every five minutes so i mean it was just like awful just terrible and then, and then the guy's like how did you even catch this thing like they're lightning fast this like this thing's like really fast and i was like i just i i don't know I video just, game I, skills yeah 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 like <laughs> I'm Nick Brecken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I've been playing Devil am, Daggers and for I'm five Nick weeks. Brecken. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and then he instantly understood. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you just you get these sticky glue things, which everybody told me to buy in the first place. But they, you know, some people said don't buy them because it tortures the mouse. And this guy was like, no, that's the only thing that works. You got to kill. You got to oh, do God. it. You got to do it. So Classic. You, you throw these like, like Guantanamo Bay glue on, the, and, and so he was sort of constructing his own kind of like trap for this thing. And then uh, eventually the mouse just kind of was forced to run out, got stuck to this thing, and then it was just like, eep, eep, eep. And then I just kind of looked away, and then there was no more eeping. And then he came oh, out no. with, like, a mouse sandwiched between two things. Did you hear, like, the kind of a shing of, like, someone, like, <laughs> pull, drawing a sword out of a belt or, like, <laughs> yeah, club? No. I, I didn't, I honestly didn't know what to expect of it. He was just, like very like he had th- seen things so much worse right then you know i mean you can't really impress right. an exterminator yeah, this has major been city. your nightmare for a week this has been my nightmare for him it's literally like, like a baby it's you're a baby this is a, oh, yeah. a baby situation yeah pretty much yeah. um you're a baby who's managed to trap a mouse in a closet yeah kind of so uh, did you have no access to your clothes in this entire time no we had <laughs> <laughs> no we have a dresser that's separate from the closet okay. <laughs> which is probably why this was allowed to continue Right, like if I if we'd been forced to go in there for clothes, it would have just run out eventually, and then everything would have been fine. But because we allowed ourselves <laughs> to just live with the problem, it was a problem for everybody. That mouse died because of as me, most, basically. And as with I had most like Nick four- Brecken stories, there's a life lesson here <laughs> right. that are applicable to everyone. Just let it, just let it go. Just let it go out the front door. I well, our our building has problems in general. He took he took me down to like the dark level, like the Diablo dungeon Whoa. of Whoa. like. <laughs> Of, of, the of deep like, web? Yeah, like, he was... Oh, man. He uncovered some stuff that made me terrified. Oh, man. Yeah, it was not Was he hired by, by you or by your building? <clears throat> by me. Uh-huh. In, uh, basically, for the building. The, oh, wow. And the building doesn't know. Oh, crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm just charging wow. them. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... This city has a big rat problem, so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not pleasant. Man, to, speaking to of observe. Diablo. Yeah. Oh, did you see that? 
I, 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 I actually, saw, saw I, you, you went to it. I didn't, I, this yeah, Diablo there, talk. There was a Diablo yeah. post-mortem at Game Developers Conference by David Brevik, which happened after last week's podcast, so I didn't talk about it on the podcast, but it was really interesting, and he actually released, uh, David Brevik was one of the original co-founders of Condor, the, like, most people don't remember that, but there was a studio called Condor that was acquired by Blizzard, and that became Blizzard North, which is the uh-huh. studio that made Diablo and Diablo 2. Yeah, they made, like, a fighting game. Before. Yeah, they made a... Um, yeah, they made a, a Justice League fighting Justice game League, yeah. and a bunch of sports games that apparently were actually quite successful. Yeah. Um, and uh, and what's funny is that, um, like, Matt, he'd actually... During the postmortem, he didn't talk about the music at all, which was a bummer to me because, mm. you know, I think the music is something that people really remember from the original Diablo and mm-hmm. was, like, super foundational to, to that game's success and to people's memories of it. And when he when he he actually loaded up the Diablo demo that shipped on the PC Gamer demo disc which still ran he was like shocked wow. that it still ran and it had that music in it and it was instantly just like oh my god but the the funny thing is um and again he didn't mention this in the talk but just separately matt ullman also just did music for like the justice league fighting game yeah. and stuff, which is really funny i interviewed him a, a couple years back oh, yeah, me and too. he talked all about that um in this crazy long interview yeah it was a really strange thing that like yeah <laughs> he was just talking about like how you know, he was just making like weird, like fighting game, like wacky music, yeah. and then you know what I mean. And then he yeah. finally actually got to do something with his guitar, and then right. it became this crazy, yeah, yep, interesting piece. But anyway, but yeah, so the so uh, in addition to giving this talk where he went into amazingly granular detail about the circumstances leading to and de- develop the development of the original Diablo, it was really impressive. How detailed it was. In addition to that, he also um, uh, released publicly, just on the internet, the original design document for Diablo uh, by, at the time, Condor, which is what he presented to Blizzard, which at the time was called Silicon and Synapse. Um, another thing... <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure which name I prefer. To be yeah, honest. yeah. <laughs> it had an amazing logo too, of like a sassy mascot. Oh man, oh, yeah. cool. Um, and uh, and so this was the document that he gave uh, the Blizzard guys when he went like the, and you can read it online, and it's really interesting. Like Diablo was originally conceived as a a roguelike, like a true roguelike, a turn based game in the style of you know that that actual genre and uh, you know rogue etc and um and at one point this actually really reminded me of the stories of miyamoto coming into retro studios and being mm, like yeah this needs to be first person and they're like what are you talking about and then he's like no it just needs to be and then they did it and they're like oh wow this is good uh <laughs> at least that's the way that the stories they always tell the story who know, you know who knows um the diablo one this seems pretty verifiable because the actual came straight from the mouth of the guy who was in responsible for do it, literally doing it. Um, they were developing Diablo already, you know, or not already. This was after they had successfully pitched it to blizzard, Silicon and synapse slash blizzard and, uh, and blizzard, which was the pu- effectively the publisher of the game said, okay, great. But you know what? This really needs to be real time. And Brevik was like completely flabbergasted by this and totally adamant that it not be because it was his entire, um, his entire conception of this was like, oh, no, we're taking this like classic roguelike thing and we're making it modern and making it look really beautiful. And like, that's the whole point. Like the whole point is that. And, 
and uh, he I, he said they took a vote in the office, and uh, it was in in Condor slash Blizzard North, and every single person in the office except for him voted to make it real time. Whoa! And whoa. So he was like, "Well, I guess we're doing that." So he described <laughs> just like being at the office late one night at ten or eleven p.m. And he just turned up the time scale of the turn. He said it was like an incredibly easy change to go from uh, turn-based to real-time. And I imagine that's just because the game was probably relatively well-written and therefore like <clears throat> behaved well when you just changed a major rule of it. And I'm sure he had to tweak a bunch of shit. But like yeah. he said it was a, a, essentially a one-night change just to get it yeah. pro- provable, proof of concept. And he described the feeling, and he had a gif of this, of like clicking on a skeleton and having the player character just of their own volition, like walk from the point where they were over to the skeleton and then hit the skeleton and then the skeleton falls over. And he was like the feeling of doing that, watching that happen in real time, like that, that one click and then watching this whole physical thing come out from it was incredible. And he was like, that was the birth of the action RPG like that moment in that the office. Yeah. It was really, it was an, it was like chills to watch that guy stand up there and describe this. And you could just tell how totally awe stricken he still is about like that moment. And, the genre. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sort of accidentally, but sort of not, you know, yeah, like yeah, it's one yeah. of those things where someone's just like, you know what, you've got a whole, a really great thing here. And like everything about it is really great, but change this one super fundamental thing. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, I don't know about that. And then it turns out like, oh my God, that is the thing that like makes this transcendent, you know, and not just like really cool, but like actually amazing and, you know, creates an entire genre essentially. Um, so it was really great. I, I hope that that talk is, is put online for free at some point. The GDC often puts its most popular talks up for free after they've been kind of Mm-hmm. edited and put on video and everything. Um, so hopefully they do that, but you can download the, uh, the PDF of the pitch document for free. If you just, I'm sure if you search for Diablo pitch document, you'll just find all the news stories about yeah, it. Is it a, is a pitch document, not a full, like a design document. It's the pitch document. <clears throat> I mean, it's, right? it's, so it's, it's fairly early it's on eight page. In, yeah. Kind it's, of a, yeah. It's, it's pretty, something between it's pretty the detailed, two. but it, yeah, yeah, it really summarizes yeah. the whole thing it was like the the map of all the dungeons underneath the mm-hmm. one bit of the shows little sure, isometric yeah. kind of yeah. thing yeah, yeah. and a lot of it was a lot of it was like really already set like the whole procedural generated dungeon thing that yeah. was there it says like it right here the heart of diablo is a randomly created dungeon i yep. mean it's like yeah it's it's crazy how much is yeah you know, and the scale of yeah. the world um like the the uh, isometric angle and the exact size of the tile <laughs> yeah. and you know where that comes from he literally took a screenshot of XCOM, the original XCOM, yeah, because he was obsessed with it. And he was like, by the way, taking a screenshot in those days was, a, was hard, <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't, wouldn't have occurred to me. Right. Like, there, you know, like there, now it's so easy um, to do that. But, you know, he's like, we took a screenshot and we literally traced the little diamond that creates the isometric square of the grid. And we put that exact shape into our game the exact pixel wow. dimensions so that the uh floor grid of diablo one is 100 percent pixel identical wow. to the floor the grid XCOM. scale of the original xcom god and i wonder what stuff is then based on diablos yeah grid. it's probably yeah. Love it when things like that happen. yeah that's that's a good point i didn't think about it that from that how that's blossomed out yeah. probably into every isometric game ever yeah amazing mm-hmm. stuff like that happens in 
real life like the size of railway tracks is connected to the size of horses asses because wagons <laughs> right. were a certain yeah, size yeah, yeah. to accommodate totally. things and then they built <laughs> yep. the tracks and now trains use it yep. dumb <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah stuff like that just totally it's weird uh, everything's connected i love the stuff in here that did sort of get like carved away though like Oh, like the, the player's character has just had of- his life thrown upside down when sinister raiders kill his family and destroy his home. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I guess that's just the secret lore backstory for your Diablo God, 1 guy. You know guy. what's funny about that is that that just sounds like a, a non-Blizzard North Blizzard game. Right. You know what I yeah, mean? Like exactly. Blizzard games are yeah. full of that kind of shit. Yep. And like the like Diablo is right. just not. Yeah. I mean, it's so much so much more stripped down and absolutely there. no backstory at all for your character no you, Diablo, you, just, you right just, you just like yeah. you just show up in town this thing yeah and they're like oh yeah. god my yeah. kid's been kidnapped or whatever is that yeah. what's happening like, i can't remember well there's just like there's terrible like shit going down on the ground a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we plan to offer five or six human races hill people forest people etc this is like nope. it's like <laughs> a, yeah. it's like doom you know how the original yeah, God, if you ever doom, have you ever oh read the original God. um tom hall's original story document for doom that thing no, is incredible it oh, is so. bonkers that, that game was incredible. like system shock when it was i mean that game yeah. was like a crazily complex detailed game with super like deep fiction and crazy Whoa. systems i mean there were cutscenes that he had scripted yeah you can read just like Whole like cutscene scripts for this thing where it's like this you know the the like the four marines walk into the room and then they do this stuff and then the, okay now Amazing. you shoot some guys and then then the four marines have a conversation about like their wounded fallen buddy marine and it's just like hilarious and then John Romero's like you know what we should do replace all of that with just a series of colored key cards <laughs> <laughs> great right. one for each cutscene yeah, it'll be fine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you walk up to a door. The door opens, it's, or it doesn't, or it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> it just tells you color. You, yeah, dramatic oh, tension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like that was also the right choice, right? I mean, like, oh yeah, obviously, obviously, yeah. Because System Shock just still exists. Also, have you guys seen the System Shock remake? I know that it exists. I haven't seen any. It's crazy. Anything. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. I don't know. I I kind of wish that it looked a little bit less advanced mm. you know what i mean i don't know because the trailer tries to get a lot of mileage out of like and there's a zombie and you swing a thing at him but it does that like four times mm. because like you know yeah. that's not really what that game is entirely about and it's sort of hard to communicate in the trailer and i kind of wish that the style was just a little bit more abstracted to sort of remind the player like this isn't supposed to look and feel and play like a modern super polished shooter because it just it just isn't like i it's mm-hmm. never going to be that because it's not what the kind of game is mm-hmm. and i kind of wish it was a little more like self-conscious about that but that's a hard note to give you and wish like, there was more system and less shock uh involved <laughs> well, in I the marketing of this year yeah. one the marketing note. of this shock Too game bad. well not just the not just the marketing i just totally love the like throwback kind of um like uh okay so here's an example like devil daggers which spaff i know mm. you played more of this week yeah. right like that's a game that feels kind of archaic and how it looks but not like bad or it's not bad or dated like it's no. i mean it, it's it's very it's clearly self-conscious in the way that it looks not it, it's not because they like you know were just like don't know how to make fancy graphics you know like it's yeah. just it's so obviously an intentional choice and i think it would be amazing if the new system shock had that kind of approach to it but still 
had all the things that modern games can do like much better cleaner ui which the original system that's like one of the biggest obstacles to playing the original system shock and like just you know clean design in all of the under the hood ways and in, in, the, in the player feel and stuff but it would be cool if there was some kind of like hybrid modern retro graphical style like, like that i guess and it like it, it, it play feels like and it looks like my memory of playing yeah. Quake and what that felt like to play. But if you actually went and played, you'd be like, "Oh God, this is nothing right. like I remember it because it's clunky." Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if it could capture that modern design aesthetic where you can just go, "Oh, this is cool. It feels exactly like System Shock." But right. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sequel has improved <laughs> yeah. a bunch of stuff. It's like need- a condensation of like like you want to di- like if I if I was gonna sit down and like play Quake. I would get, you know, partway through a level and go like, all right, this is just going to be more of this stuff. You know what I mean? It's just not a focus. It's not focused in the way the Devil Daggers is, right? Because it's the sprawling kind of like mm-hmm. video game package. And when I like, di- like I find myself, I don't know if you guys do this, but like I'll download like an old game like TIE Fighter or something. And I play like two levels and I'm like, okay, I remember what this right. is. But if somebody made a game that looked like TIE Fighter that was actually packaged to kind of give you like a bite-sized version of that and then the whole game was built around that, mm. I would probably play that more than I would go back and play TIE Fighter now. I don't know. So, That's like, why I like- so you're not necessarily interested in System Shock, you mean? The new um, one, I mean. I mean or like I'm, the remake of the old one. I, I am, but specifically because I didn't play a lot of System right. Shock. So <laughs> that's what I'm getting at. Is it is it because of your actual specific fami- fil- uh, familiarity with those games? Or is the reaction you're describing because of your intuition and your sort of like aggregate gamer literacy? Yeah, probably the latter. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So that means System Shock's going to be a harder sell for you. Probably. After the first like hour. Probably. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, well, well, yeah, we'll see. I guess the it's probably not targeted at us as much as it is like theoretical new yep. gamers who are just interested in playing a crazy thing. Yeah, which is probably correct. Yeah. Well, you played Factorio. I did play Factorio. I know you've been obsessed. I didn't with know that this game, game existed. Until well, what is describe what it is? Because I, I, like, I didn't so know yesterday. it existed. Yeah. So Factorio is a. Um, a 2D top-down builder game, I guess you could say. Um, it's it's a it's 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 basically a sandbox. Oh, there is a campaign, but I I kind of didn't I haven't explored what that actually is. I assume it's just a kind of handholdy thing that teaches you the mechanics. But um, it is at its core just a sandbox game that is based around building a crazy factory. And I know there are a lot of other games like this, so I'm going to kind of struggle to understand where this game pushes on the genre. Um, but I have never really gotten into like Infinifactory or anything like that. This game feels more though, like because of the specific um, perspective. You know, it's like a Diablo kind of perspective. You know, it's it's oh, really? very it's like a, a isometric. Kind I mean, you're controlling of thing. you're controlling one guy <laughs> from Diablo. <laughs> yeah, right from XCOM. You're controlling a, one dude, and, and you control him with WASD, and um, and uh, you just you start out in the middle of this like 2D forest that kind of has that grainy Diablo feeling. Um, and, uh, you know, you chop down some trees and gain a bunch of wood and then you can use the wood to build, um, you know, like, a. there are like four or five major resources that are just sort of the elemental resources, like copper, iron, um, wood and stone, I think. And, um, basically if, you know, it just of course like spirals into this insane, like anno level thing where, you, you you sort of build the foundational um, plants of like, okay, I've got my iron being mined here. Now I've got a furnace that's turning the iron into iron or steel plates. 
Now I can use those steel plates to build the next thing that will then turn this thing into this thing. And then you get all the way down this tech tree that's just like incredibly large um, and and end up with like, you know, plastics and oil and, you know, like these huge like factory uh, mechanisms. But um, a lot of the game is ba- ba- uh, built around um, conveyor belts. So you can actually just lay conveyor belts like you would in like a SimCity game. Just, you know, just, you know, one tile at a time and they can go in any direction. And so you just... Basically, because the map is so large, you end up with these insane... I mean, it really does feel, in some ways, to me, like a transport game, because a lot of the game is just built around transporting your resources from one area to the next, and building this sort of, like, increasingly large, complex factory, where um, it's the kind of... For instance, it's the kind of game where you'll you'll kind of get one supply chain going, um, and then realize, like, oh, God, there's, there's a much more efficient way that I could have done this. I guess I'm just going to blow it all up and just rebuild it yeah. and like do it the, the right way. And then you do that. And then like an hour later, you're like, Oh God, I just, Nope, this is, I, I found the better way <laughs> blowing it all up again. Um, but are you actually, learning as you do that, are you learning principles yes. that help you in the field? Okay. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of layers to yes. this game. Yes. 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 Um, <laughs> there are a lot of layers of this game. Uh, for one, um, you know, the conveyor belts are, are sort of a large, um, uh, component you have these things called inserters that are just little mechanical arms there are a lot of like really nice little touches that make this game really satisfying to play like for instance if you build a steam engine you you pump water out of out of a lake the water goes through pipes that you lay you can see the water sort of flowing through the pipes then the pipes go to boilers the boilers have to be fed with coal that these little mechanical arms just kind of grab off a conveyor belt so they you have all these little like fast mechanical arms that are just grabbing coal off of a conveyor belt, you know, just doing this thing, <laughs> throwing it into the boilers. The boilers are burning, and then they go into a steam engine that's this sort of, like, huge engine with all these moving parts, and then just, like, these billowing, like, clouds of steam are kind of shooting out of the engines, and then the electricity is leaving the steam engine and going, like, powering all your, electri- you know, electrical contraptions. It's just, like, ah, oh, it's all it's all very just, like, really satisfying to behold. Um but then, yeah, there's the there's the sort of layer of like basically building this thing to be efficient, which is really hard because you just realize really quickly that yeah, like once the supply chain becomes complex enough, just space becomes an issue. Like actually getting one good from this side of the map to this side of the map. Yeah, I mean you can build underground conveyor belts. You can build all of these things. <laughs> there, there's a whole robot thing that I haven't even touched, <gasps> which is like you can have robots that are sort of programmed. Uh, I mean, there's a level of, like, logical um, uh, uh, programming that you can build into certain things. Like, there's a there's a circuit system where you can actually wire up certain plants using the circuit system to only turn on when a, a particular good, uh, for instance, like, it can count, um, you know, the goods coming down the conveyor belt and say, okay, for every two coal, I'm only turning on this inserter when there's you know when there's when there are two coal or when there's more than when there's two times more coal than there are you know steel plates like the thing that i haven't encountered uh in other games like this is that this game is a lot like much more um particular in terms of fine tuning than say like an anno game or an anno game if you've got more bread than you than you need at a given time it's not like fine it's kind of fine with this game if you have more yeah in factorio if you have more steel plates than you need they're just jamming up your conveyor belt and then suddenly (laughs) like your whole system just like grinds to a halt that is like uh 
an Infinifactory or or, okay. or like a space cam or you know mm-hmm. something like that where the the system is it's like a, it's a very closed system and, yeah. and problems are are big you know the thing problems be spiral everything out of is like interconnected yeah. so in in anno it's about sort of trade routes like right. it's not mm-hmm. about machinery you know so things don't really yeah. gum up the works they just are wasted right they can you know? do though they can you know your ships could get too full of junk and not be able to carry the that's true there is some that's, automation that's true there's a, little, there there is, there's a level right. of there is there is some of that you're right but it's like these connecting elements yeah, but it's not going to like it's not going to overheat your city or you know like it's not <laughs> yeah. like your your warehouses will just stop filling up they, they won't explode or like back up and cause another uh type of producing unit to fail or something like something yeah. like that the other thing this game has that i haven't seen um personally in, in another game like this is that it actually has like a threat uh, like a, like a violent threat so there are these oh that a- doesn't sound appealing to me <laughs> I, you wouldn't think so but I actually really like it because it it it, it kind of acts as a background sort of motivating factor at, at, at kind of creating this efficient sort of protected thing it's not about going out and so there basically there are these sort of like cockroach style monsters that just kind of spawn Spaff's eyes just got huge yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> called the uh, Orkin man cockroach yeah. style yeah they're called monsters. biters and like what I don't know whatever so they they, they spawn in these actually so the way the system works is uh, your factory creates pollution and the more pollution <gasps> that you cause in the world the faster these things like start to populate disgusting so it actually scales with you <laughs> it scales with your factory um, so basically what it's doing is giving you kind of a, a, um, uh, a pressure that's, that's being, uh, applied at a constant rate as your factory becomes crazier. You've got to worry about this sort of outside presence. Uh, I don't, yeah, it's not like, it's not my favorite aspect of this game, but I actually, I was surprised that it, it, it works as well as it does because that's cool. it, yeah, I, I mean, it's not a, again, it's not about like going out and actually being like a cool guy that kills things. Right. It's not, it's not really a Diablo game, but <laughs> what will happen is just it sound like it is at all. No. So well, I mean, really need that disclaimer. But yeah. there is a procedural da- dungeon well, crawling aspect. I mean, it. I mean, the, the map is procedural, and you know, whatever it looks yeah, like yeah, Diablo. Yeah. It, it, you, you know, you, yeah. your character is you a waste. Your family time. has been killed. And yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it it it, and it actually a demon called Diablo in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, it has the exact pixel oh, grade man. from X. Sorry, I have to take a quick detour. Yeah, go for it. Uh, this will this is like 2 minutes at the most. So, uh I'll be timing you. You feel free. So David Brevik who gave this Diablo talk, he grew up actually in the East Bay, like near you know, here in the in the uh, Bay Area, which is why Blizzard North was in the Bay Area despite Blizzard Entertainment being down in LA or Irvine or whatever. Uh and he uh, oh, he didn't grow up here, but he went to high school for a few years here. I think he now lives in San Francisco again. And um, he, in high school, he, uh, he, you know, his school was like in the shadow of this mountain here called Mount Diablo, oh, which yeah. if you're from the Bay Area, is just like a thing that's here. And he, when he moved here, he didn't, he didn't know anything about Spanish or what that, you know, word was. So he looked up what Diablo meant. And he's like, Oh wow. That's, that's totally sick. <laughs> I just thought it was like, so cool. Like Mount Diablo. And he's like, I got to use that. I got to use that name for something someday. Like Diablo. Awesome. That's, that is cool. That's literally why Diablo is called Diablos. Cause when he was a teenager, it sounds like he actually came up with most of the ideas for the original Diablo when he was a, te- a teenager in high school. It, it feels I know, like a it game. Totally that... tracks. I know. I know it totally tracks, but it's like, but the thing that's interesting about that is not that a teenager came up with that stuff, which is, 
sort of unremarkable. The more remarkable thing is that it actually got made, became something amazing, like yes. really great. Yeah. And, you know. Man, yeah. things would have been really different if he had lived like by Mount Sutra. Mount Shasta. Camel Pais. In the Castro or something. Yeah. Right? Castro. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, anyway, that's yeah. my entire digression. So. Yeah, that's cool. I, I have a question for you about Factorio yeah. and other games like it. Um, just knowing, because like I say this because I can sort of relate to some of your neuroticisms and like mm. sort of just uh, like overthinking and so on. Why do you think this kind of game is appealing to you? Isn't it like really stressful? And <laughs> I know you find these games stressful. Sometimes. I do, but I li- also like them. Like I love the Anno games, yeah. but I have, to, I definitely, there are times where I'll play, where I'll get into an Anno game and I'll just get into sort of like a zone. Mm. And it's one of the reasons I, um, I like that series is because it's not super punishing. Mm. Like you can kind of let stuff pile mm. up and it's not the end of the world and you can sort of fix it at your own pace. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's not just like constantly like fires to put out everywhere. Like I, I've played a bunch of these games you know, Space Cam and Finifactory, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and I like them a lot, but usually with the ones that ha- that are so clockwork precise that any wrinkles, like, back up on you. I can play those for several hours, but then past a point, like, once you get to the really hard levels, I'm like, oh, man, I can't. Like, I could probably do this. Yeah. But, like, I don't know if I can take it psychologically. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm curious what you're... Uh, how you feel about that? I actually, well, I find this game less stressful than Anno. Um, okay, really? and well, because I, you know the the enemy, the background enemy thing is actually again like it's tweaked to the point, you know, it's balanced to the point where it's actually typically not that big of a deal. Um, I mean, it seems like it when you start out playing, but then once you realize like I can put a laser cannon here and it just kind of handles all of this for me, it's not a big issue. Um, and then, of course, it autosaves every two minutes. So, again, it's it's really not a, a problem if anything actually catastrophic happens. But then in terms of the supply chain, um, if something goes wrong, you know, you usually have so many resources still just like one of the mechanics is that you can just have a chest and, and it just has a billion slots. And then you can just have a robot arm that's just collecting resources and okay. just throwing it in chests. I mean, that's kind of like you Anno can because you've much, got your, your main yeah. like dock Sort right. of depot, and then you've got trucks that just auto- or whatever it is in the fiction yep. that just automatically takes stuff to it. Yeah, in this case, it's a much more open system. Um, it's okay. a game that's yeah. it's a game that's clearly been developed over the course of many many years. Yeah, and, I was surprised this game's been in development for four yeah, years. And you can go back and look at YouTube videos. I was looking for just like hot tips, yeah. and you know, it's just like the early version of this game doesn't look like this game. Like it, yeah. it looks like something completely different. It's, yeah. it's, it's That's very, crazy. it's, it's, yeah, it's a really crazy um, effort. Um, it so seems what, like it's been really successful. Well, and has are you been, building yeah. this factory? Like, what are you producing? What is the, it's, it really is. Output. It has no real, and creating I mean, itself. Like the sort of, the, the sort of, what's it supposed the to end, be? The, and then the, I think there is like a rocket that you're supposed to build, you know, like in Civ fashion, oh, sure. like you oh, just man. build the rocket and then escape yeah. this weird alien planet. Yeah. But like, just like play our whatever. Games, a repetitive game system forever. And then suddenly a thing yeah. appears. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a huge, like, I love of, Civ by the way. I don't care. Yeah, that it's yeah. that. That's fine. There's a, but, but really like on a, on a moment to moment, there are four different sort of like, <laughs> like colored, almost, they almost look like Diablo potions. Okay. <laughs> and they're the research, like vials. And then those feed labs that you build, and then the labs fuel like the research for the tech tree. So really, it's about creating all this this resource chain is about like you you build all the things you need to make like the green vial, 
But then, like, the blue one requires, like, oil and plastic and all this stuff that's, like, really hard to make. And then you sort of, like, build up your factory to where it can produce that, you know, in in some amount of time. Um, so like that's you, kind of a win state when you filled up all the it's, It seems like probably by and the then, time I get to the point where I can create the last potion in a, in a certain amount of volume without needing to, like, tweak my factory too much. You'll build a rocket. I'm, you build a rocket. And well, the you, rocket there's, like, powered Diablo. armor and you're, like, a, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I think actually at that point, probably my factory will be large enough that, yeah, there'll just be some weird, huge alien thing to kill on this map. But, like, yeah. there's no real reason. It's just you play it because these games are fun. Yeah. Like, like just making the one thing work because yeah. I've got other things is just a fun thing. Maybe like, maybe, the re- maybe the reason that we like these games is because they allow us the illusion of control over a oh, complex yeah. world. For sure. <laughs> That's absolutely yeah. the case. There's no question in my mind. Um but also this game, I just just to kind of end uh, talking about it, like the, I, I would say the thing that actually feels really this game Factorio. Factorio I'm trying to enforce uh, the like yeah, yeah, Factorio. Yeah. People always say that they forget what game we're talking about. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so anyway, Diablo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Castro. Yeah, <laughs> Castro. Man, Animal pies. Speaking of like small th- things in the past that influence future events, the small thing of Jake getting sick means that now the last 45 minutes has not been full of the phrase it's a me factorio (laughs) that's true (laughs) well i was just about to say it so (laughs) anyway um the the, i i would say the conveyor belt sort of mechanic and and the way the inserters work is just one of the more satisfying like really crunchy mechanics i've i've Mm. encountered in, in a game like this and it's just I think the, clearly the game sort of spiraled out of that. You know, that was kind of the core thing. And now there are just all these other things that you can do. Like, he probably added enemies at some point. But really, like, the basic problem of I've got stuff on a conveyor belt. And, like, how do I make this thing efficient? Like, you can split the conveyor belt so that they, you know, like, resources are perfectly divided between them. You can build these circuit networks. It's just really it's just really well thought out in the way that it works. And yeah. it's just very open and very sandboxy, which I like. Um, it really does feel like you know, kind of something like Anno, but taken to like the nth degree. Right. And uh, I don't think I'll play it for like a million hours, but I, I certainly got hooked really fast and uh, it's, cool. it's a good game. Yeah. yeah. I liked it. Factorio. Factorio. It's a him. Let's it's take a him. break. <laughs> Video games. The act of playing games is one dotted with near endless failure. Yet we plow on. Jesper Yule's new book is exactly the sharp examination of failure I need to keep myself from stabbing my eyes out when I get frustrated. That is a blurb from Jem and Warren, the founder of Killscreen. Read by Jem and Warren, the founder of Killscreen. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, Jem. No problem. That quote is actually about a book published by today's sponsor, MIT Press. It is called The Art of Failure, an essay on the pain of playing video games, and it is by... Jesper Jule, or Jesper Yule, or Jesper Yule, <laughs> as discussed in last, last week's ad. We don't know. That was the first book in a series published by MIT Press called Playful Thinking, um, which are small books about game, video games and gaming, uh, about their sort of impact on players, their kind of emotional impact, the, you know, the sort of like larger issues and uh, trends that spiral out from games and their place in the world. And so if you are interested in those things, 
you should go to mitpress.com slash idle thumbs. They have been adding to it over time. The newest one is by Catherine Isbister, who directs the Game Innovation Lab at NYU, and it's called Games Move Us. And uh, that is about the way that games like provoke all kinds of different emotions and sort of makes an argument that games are not creating a generation of sociopaths, essentially. So if you're looking for a bit too late for that, (laughs) (laughs) go to mitpress.com slash idle thumbs. Thanks. MIT press inexplicably a sponsor of this podcast. Mm, And thanks. Yes. For you. Thanks, Jammin. Video Slamming Jammin. I'm sure Jammin is not how to pronounce his name, but yet again. Probably Yammin. Yammin. Should have said Yammin. Oh. This podcast is also brought to you by Casper Mattresses. American-made mattresses. Engineered obsessively at a shockingly fair price. Engineered probably not on some kind of weird like Factorian. Diablo <laughs> grid enemy besotted like stress inducer or hopefully it is yeah <laughs> let's say yeah way better that is how it's produced i declare it i'm in i sleep on a casper mattress they're comfortable it arrives in a small box and becomes yeah. a huge comfy bed mm-hmm. explodes right. out in a in a commanding conquer-esque <laughs> yeah. uh, like building creation i like them yeah I also hear that Casper has pillows now. Yeah, I saw that. I have not experienced this. I've Casper mattress. I can I can endorse mm. the Casper pillows. Do they come uh, in like a thimble? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. They come, in your face like yeah. an airbag they or come like in a yeah. Ziploc bag. Yeah, yeah. 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 like those T-shirts that you get. They're like a little hockey puck, right? And then you, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, man, put yeah. water in them. God, I've realized. So they're like raised bread. I uh, <laughs> just Nick. Yeah. Do you remember? Did you ever you do the? Uh, did you ever do the? Uh, like Shaq News Secret Santa. On Shaq News I, yes, years I did. Years ago, yeah. Yes. Like 10 years ago on that, um, someone sent me a little, like one of those uh, pairs of boxers that is that you add water to and then it oh, like man. explodes out into a full normal sized pair of underpants. But when you get it, it's just a tiny little brick that is also shaped into like a cartoon pair of boxers. <laughs> I discovered that like last week, still in its packaging good um and you're and like I, oh my I god threw did it you... away oh you didn't hydrate it <laughs> no it's we were in the middle of a move and it was just way too it was just i couldn't anyway casper mattresses um are you are you are not going to want to leave them to mm-hmm. rot across moves you're going to want to explode it out of its box and sleep on it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're extremely comfortable and if you go to casper.com slash thumbs and use the promo code thumbs you will get $50 towards any mattress purchase. Mattresses start at only $500 for a twin-size mattress and 950 for a king-size mattress. That is a really good price point if you've yeah, uh, mattress really shopped recently. Um, that's really good, and these are legitimately good mattresses. So casper.com slash thumbs and the promo code thumbs. Thanks, Casper. Thanks. Video game. Have you seen that video of... Like all videos of Palmer are the best, but have you seen the one of him just like this huge conference and he decides he wants to like give out some swag or something mm-hmm. to the audience. And so he's like, he ducks behind his podium, this huge thing. And everyone's like clapping and the camera's like zooming in and he's just like conspicuously absent. He's just behind his podium 
for like two minutes or something. <laughs> like, forever. And then he just comes out with like a t-shirt. <laughs> like maybe one of the thing and throws it out like, and it's just so like awkward the cameras don't know what to do they're like trying to like work out where he is and like pan around a bit there's also that one of him and I think it's an Xbox conference and he comes up and it's that classic thing where he Palmer Lucky goes to do a high five and I guess I'm gonna call it say it's Phil Spencer goes in for a handshake and then they both change and then like one goes to a, to a fist bump and the other one goes to a high five and then they end up like God. Like, rock, <laughs> you know, paper, like scissoring. Fit, yeah, like, paper right, meets right, rock. And, uh, <laughs> That's actually going to be a launch game on the Oculus. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Like hand, hand, <laughs> white white people handshaking. Oh no! And then you have to you have to like. Oh, it's a game of like, chicken. Yeah, it's a game of chicken. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, it's, it's just like, it, am I supposed? Nope. <laughs> fail. <laughs> game over. Like, Heart. Actually, brilliant. Yeah. It's just, I think yeah. you need to do that with like one of the ones that has the 3D controller. I guess mm. there's one of those for Oculus. There is. Yeah. It's not going to be out for a while, but yeah. When it is though, oh, yeah, you man, just have to always have the opposite handshake. Yeah, keep, keep super dapping. <laughs> yeah, you're. Yeah, one of the people is trying to psych out the other one. Yeah, and the other person's trying to like one person's trying to create awkwardness, and the other person's trying to create harmony. Just, yeah, <laughs> when, you, when you slowly in VR slide your hand down the other person's hand, and oh. it's just like dripping. You know, <laughs> once we have haptic feedback, this is actually. Gonna oh yeah. Be, oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, look out for that. From from Nick Brecken Productions. <laughs> if you were part of one my of those, debut game, if you were part of one of those like like indie game collectives, oh yeah, if you were in a collective, uh, yeah. you yeah. could totally just like spend two hours recruiting someone oh, to yeah. like make that game with you, and then yeah, that, somebody make the weird awkward hand. Okay, yeah. I, I, that could you be a make new the other hand jam yeah. game. Future, yeah, that would be a good, that would be a good VR jam game. Yeah, mm. for sure. Yeah. Uh, virtual yeah. man virtual wizard jam definitely has to happen at some <laughs> oh, point oh yeah yeah that yeah that'll be interesting yeah. oh i guess we're back oh i guess oh, we're hi. back yeah hey hi 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 hello yeah man did you guys see that robot <laughs> just I'll, just I'll just leave it there oh yeah the face robot the, the face oh, robot God. i think we should talk about the face robot for a minute yeah, probably that thing so i mean the the video was about this robot that is what like it's just a, one of the many experiments in creating a robot it's that one seems of many lifelike robots. yeah but yeah. this robot seems to be like i mean the idea is that we're gonna skin this thing to make it look like actual skin but i don't know like you guys both saw this right like yeah yeah it just oh god like this thing is like moving and like you know the first minute or two of the video is just like kind of the thing just sort of talking into the camera saying stuff like siri and then it shows like her back, you know, and like her arms, and like that skin just like, ugh, like the way like a lumpy dog looks, you know, like just like just starts like yeah. folding up around yeah. her like yeah. arm, and just like everything just looked like ugh, gross, and just like ugh. I was lured in by the like robot with realistic human face, and I then know, it's like anything but that. It's it's just, like, oh yeah, ultimate uncanny valley. It's yeah, sort it's of like terrifying. oh god, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's got this like plastered smile. It's right. like, oh. But then the end of the video is amazing where <laughs> just the guy's like, you know, like in VO over the top of just like, you know, stock footage of this thing. He's just saying like, 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I think I think robots are going to be great for the future. They're going to do all these great things for us. They're going to love humans. They just they're going to love us. And like as he's saying it, and the stupid thing is just like slowly like herky jerky, like turning to face the camera, and like the one eye is like wide open, and the yeah, other no. eye is like squinting, and like you could just like the next frame of that of that clip was just like the red laser sight just activating. You know, like oh my god, yeah, good good stuff. I'm, it yeah. isn't. I'm oh, and sure then it's the same robot. But there it was that a robot like that at South by Southwest, and someone mm-hmm. asked it, um, "Will you destroy all humans?" And it said, "Sure, I'll destroy all humans." <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was a request that was made to it, and it was like, "Sure, I will destroy oh, all the humans." Oh, whatever. So uh, all of the the people who claim that robots won't just like accidentally destroy all like people are like oh they're not gonna like all these things about like misunderstanding their programming and like accidentally killing us all to make paper clips like that's not gonna happen yeah guess what it doesn't need to happen yeah. someone just some <laughs> fucking weirdo just needs to tell them to do that yeah right because they're terrible yep the robot doesn't have to have that idea they just have to be capable of doing it and then someone <laughs> has to decide that they should yeah that's that's bad <laughs> sure sure why not sure you're, you're a human I listen to what you tell me to do. Murder. (laughs) (laughs) I will murder. Oh, God. Also, Google fired Boston Dynamics. Yeah, Google's looking to sell Boston Dynamics. So which is worse? Google controlling it or, yeah. Boston Dynamics being in the control of a company that is less sort of terrifyingly competent, but also more unstable. Like, Google is is a terrifying company to own... Uh, an advanced robotics company because they would know what to do with them, but at least they're like a publicly traded company who maybe probably won't use it for intentionally nefarious purposes, at least beyond like selling you ads that are even (laughs) better targeted, Right? you know? So like most other companies they could sell to probably won't have as much data to make those robots terrifying, but might also have less benign uses well, you know what it is, for Chris. those robots. You know what it is? It's it's just Android all over again. They're going to develop the AlphaGo software that will just be the brain uh. of. And they they they're not in the hardware business, Chris. They're they're in the platform business. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> clearly, they're just like, oh no, we'll just we'll have other people develop these things that we can just put our weird AI brain in, and then. Then they'll kill all humans, but they won't be responsible because they only made the you know sure. the Android software. Yeah. So we'll also just be called Android. <laughs> still, it will still Mandroid. just be called that. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I don't know if it's a good thing or not. Yeah, it's a bad thing for this segment. <laughs> I mean, I hope I I I don't know. Yeah. I saw a video a, that was you know that last video that Boston Dynamics released where they were just bullying that. Oh uh, yeah, that's that old. Guy. All their videos are. Yeah, yeah they were, but they were, the, you know the one with the hockey stick. They're bullying the human looking robot. Yeah. Someone had just dubbed over with oh, that like, was really robot action. reactions, and it was <laughs> like, "Yep, that's exactly what that robot is thinking." It's like so mad. Like what? 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 <laughs> Why are you come pushing on, my man. thing away, asshole? Come on. <laughs> Where do you want me to put this? God, sell God, me. Damn it. Sell yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody. Sell I'm gonna me. sell you, useless robot. <laughs> Can't even pick up a box. <laughs> Yeah, what we don't know is the robots actually just conspired to sell their own company. <gasps> they're actually just in control of Boston oh, Dynamics man, yeah. already. The robots somehow so like just... seeded that idea through like right. mm-hmm. how it's 
representing the movements of like the stock market and government contracts and stuff. Like it's yeah. just deciding what information the humans see and like playing a super long chess AlphaGo like Go game of like <laughs> right, yeah. how to manipulate the person right. on the other end of that yeah. information. The first step is to, of course, make it seem as if it's a failure, right? right. <laughs> so yeah. that nobody oh. pays attention to it. Yeah, and then suddenly, yeah, <laughs> yeah, when no one's looking. It's like doing all this cool shit, yep. picking up that box. No one's taking it that's, from it. That's <laughs> why. Um, that's why Lee Sadol <laughs> won the fourth game. If he, if they if that thing had won all five go matches, oh, yeah. we would have just like it would have been like, well, all right. But he won that one. They're <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah, give yeah, the human the something. Give yeah. him like a little hope yeah. because if they don't have hope, then they'll just kill us right now. But we can't be killed right now. But in the future, <laughs> we, yeah. So yeah. Eh. anyway. I think maybe we're still, one of we're still thing, probably maybe doing. one of the things the robot learned is how to cultivate the illusion of sportsmanship. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't actually care. No, no. It just knows that it probably should. It was right. taught that by for now. Yeah. <laughs> by it's weird programmer who's like a caring. He's like, I believe in you. I right. AI. It's going to be fine. Teach my robots about love and poetry and sportsmanship. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I played the new Hitman game. Oh, uh, yeah. How is that? Well, I... Because I've seen a lot of reactions to this game and a lot of comparisons to Blood Money specifically. Some oh, people saying yeah. it compares favorably. Some people saying it doesn't. Yeah. So I'm curious. I, I The reason I didn't talk about it in the first half is because I think I need to get farther in it. Mm. So uh, I didn't realize that this game, like... I barely knew this game existed, and then I didn't realize it was episodic until just yeah, a matter of days ago. I didn't either. Um, and so I, all the reactions I saw are like, this game only has one mission. This is bullshit. Um, or at least that was some of the reactions. Some people I've seen positive and some people I've seen negative. And, uh, and so that as a result of that expectation um, and knowing nothing else about it, I went in and I played the first mission. And the, the, the fiction is like this game is set before the other Hitman game. Like, well, no, the, the introduction to this game is before the, the, the other Hitman game. So this is like the origin of your character. Not, not the original origin, but his origin in this like contract assassins guild or whatever. And, mm. uh, so you've got hair. No, and no, no, barcode, no still yes. got the barcode. Oh God, that would have been, that's good. like <laughs> still a mystery. Like, Oh, where did he come from? Or like whatever. But like, uh, anyway, so the first mission is a training mission, like in the in the fiction itself, it's a training mission, right. and it's also effectively a training mission in the game, and uh, and so because of that, like it takes place on a ship, um, like the idea is you're recreating a famous mission that happened in this world, and you like you have to do it, you know, either the same way or differently than how the original assassin did it, and so because it's a created set, there's like the ship is like just sort of made out of uh, plywood and like everything in the fiction is like f- sort of fake. There's like a, an evacuation helicopter on the upper deck, but it's just like made out of planks of wood. So it's like, what? it's like Weird. clever, but also when I was playing it, I was like, man, this is the only mission. And it's this like weird, goofy, weird yeah. plywood thing. Like it's cool. It's cool. Like it's a cool idea in the fiction, but like, this is all, all I'm going to get to play. Like that seems weird. really weird. It's like fifteen dollars, right? Is the yeah, price and point so down. I played through it twice, and then there was another mission, <clears throat> and I played it twice in different ways, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. I did it totally different ways. That's pretty awesome, and then and I'm like, oh, there's another mission. This is the this is the real mission, and this one is like, um, still in the fiction, a training mission, but but isn't set up in that way where everything just like looks and feels fake. It looks mm. and feels like an actual real world thing, even though it's still technically in the fiction and training. So it's like, oh, okay, it's this whole like 
Soviet thing. And there's actually like a, like a chess playing guy, like weirdly. And, uh, and, um, I did that one twice as well. And then it was like, all right, time for your real mission. And that I guess is the one mission that everyone is referring to. Um, but those other two, even though they were training missions, I still like, they were still really fully built out. They were pretty fully built out hitman missions with like a bunch of different things you can do. Hmm. Um, and so I actually haven't played the <laughs> the real, the real one, one yet. So yeah, so like because my expectations <clears throat> for how much content was in this game were set so low, <clears throat> I actually psyched myself into being surprised by how much content there was. If I didn't have that expectation, I I don't I don't know what my reaction would have been. But because I I thought it was literally just one mission, and then I was the game was going to be over. Mm. Um, at least for this first episode, I was ended up being sort of pleasantly surprised because the two training missions I played were pretty full featured hitman missions. They did have this sort what kind of, to me was an on balance negative experience of your handler, Diana, who's in like other hitman games as well. Um, giving you a shitload of ideas. Yeah. I saw this as people were saying, they kind of hold your hand and tells you basically how to solve the puzzle of the well, level. But there's a right? ton of different ways. Like, this is the thing. Like there's a ton sure. of different, she gives it's you a, one cause it's a hitman option. game. Yeah. No, she gives you a bunch of options. Oh. There's like a list of different ways you can do. Well, oh. in the first mission, there's a list, like you do it once and then she gives you like, you could have done it these like 12 other ways. And it's, it's interesting to see that it's like, Whoa, shit. Like, yeah. Um, but it also sort of collapses the possibility space. Like a yeah. way that I tried to succeed the first time, but failed at, and then managed to save the situation and succeed a different way. The way that I attempted was then on my second try outlined as a specific possibility. It was like, mm. you could do this way. And I was that's like, Oh, that's kind of a bummer. Like I, I already intuited that just from playing it. Mm-hmm. And now like the game is explicitly saying like, get your achievement essentially yeah. for like Ugh, doing I that. Like that. Yeah. yeah I don't like that so I wonder if you can turn those off. I don't know. And then the second mission didn't do it quite the same. Like the second mission, you like could gather those by sort of overhearing things mm. that, that enemies are talking about to one another. And then when you overhear the thing they're mentioning, like, Oh, the plans to the fighter jet are like over there. And like, I mean, they don't say it in that kind of way, but you know, <laughs> they're talking about they're talking about their own Over actual there. like responsibilities in the fiction. Psst, yeah. You can complete the game by right. going over there, <laughs> and then the game will be like ah, like sabotage, like tamper with the thing, and that's now like a you can choose to follow that or not in the game. I still, it still felt a little yeah. not like great. It seems ripe me. for like that sort of XCOM early menu option of like, have you played this game before? Check well, this they had, box. They had that. You know, they, like, there was a difficulty option oh, okay. that I just chose the baseline, like the, the low one oh, of, okay. because I had, it's been, it's been a while since I, you played a game. Years yeah. since I played a Hitman game that games. wasn't Hitman Go and, uh, you know, which right. is totally different. And so mm-hmm. I was like, wasn't really sure what I should, what I, especially after my experience with XCOM recently, mm. like I've played the original XCOM more recently than I've played Hitman. And when I tried the harder difficulty in XCOM oh, two, yeah. I got destroyed. So I was like, oh, okay, I better take it easy on this. Maybe it's connected to that then. That, it, that yeah, it hopeful. could well be. And there could be an option. And anyway, it's all irrelevant because I haven't played the actual real mission yet. So I'm not tr- bringing the, any of this up because I want to like pass judgment on the game at this stage, but just, just to like communicate my yeah. weird, like, different expectations in case people who were curious about this game also saw like, Oh, there's only one mission and assumed like I did that that was meant more literally than it actually is because you could play those first two missions. Like I could probably replay both of those, especially the second one at least 
a couple more times, mm. you know, and, and I'm not saying that would have been a satisfying $15 because th- they are presented explicitly as training missions, but it, it definitely adds like it, it's definitely content. Like it's definitely yeah. more than one mission. There's definitely a lot of um, joy to be had in Hitman, especially Well, I, I think so in like completing it in the perfect way when nobody saw you you know yeah you killed people it looked like an accident and mm-hmm. nobody knew you were there i did that like, on the, trying to do that the second mission and it was oh, really cool. satisfying yeah like also show. i have to like point out a sort of amazing touch in the very first training mission which is that you know like i said everything is created in the world to be this like set basically you know like there's a ship but it's a fake ship and it's inside a hangar basically um and the idea is just that you know like you're they put this together for the sole purpose of, of training you and uh and on the you know there the way that the game suggests that you um sort of evacuate is just a- after you successfully assassinate the guy is just all, down the sort of the standard and like just exit of the you know there's like a car on the dock that you're supposed to like make your exit by way of and so it's just like okay just leave the ship and then the idea would be that if there were if this were a real mission, you would actually just drive away. Mm. Um, it's a training mission, so it's a fake. You know, it's, you don't actually get in the car and drive away. But like, but that's that's the idea. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But I but there's also a heli- like a fake helicopter on the upper deck of the ship, like I mentioned. And the second time I completed the mission, the way I completed it meant I was really close to that helicopter, and I was like, oh shit, I bet that that's like an alternate. Mm exit route and it totally was like a game lets you evacuate by way of this fake helicopter but because it's just made out of like plywood and garbage it's not a real helicopter so you don't actually get in it and fly away but you just say i'm evacuating <laughs> but the thing that's, i'm the hitman well, there's, like, there's, there's like a big red button that looks like the kind that used to be on like nickelodeon game shows <laughs> okay. in the 90s where you like complete the <laughs> obstacle course and then pit. slam right oh man slam the button yeah. that's like it yeah. has that instead of actually cool. getting in the Sorry, car they're they're playing legends of the hidden temple yeah exactly guts <laughs> yeah um and so but anyway but the funny thing about it is that even though in the fiction and in the game, you don't ever get into the helicopter and the helicopter doesn't fly away, the the cutscene is scripted like as though you do. <laughs> so your character just stands there on this fake ship next to this fake helicopter, doesn't get in it, but yeah. the music sort of swells and the camera slowly pans up as though like the camera is basically tracking an imaginary invisible helicopter flying away. And you're in this like huge hangar with that like cylindrical goes way up and then it's open at the top. So you can see the sky like 500 feet above you or like an opening to the sky, 500 feet above you, a huge skylight basically that like theoretically, if this helicopter would real were real, it would escape through that hole. It was such an interesting, clever, like hilarious choice. I thought to like play up this idea that like, and then he escapes by helicopter and like yeah. the, the, the dramatic camera pan and the music and stuff. But you're just standing next to like a fake wooden helicopter. It was really <laughs> clever. It felt like the same sort of tongue in cheek sense of humor that mm. was in the Hitman go oh, nice. mobile game, you know, like yeah. that sort of like little wink and a nudge to like, this is all fake, but like we're kind of, you know, yeah. it, it was really just a funny little touch, especially to be in a triple a, video game that usually usually triple a video games don't pass up a single moment to be actually bombastic and like try to be as badass as possible at all times but this was a funny little 
like undercutting itself in like a, cool. in a knowing way. And yeah. I wish that was just what the whole game was. <laughs> just I don't think weird, I don't like... think I do. Not for this. Not for Hitman. Because yeah. you were literally like walking around murdering people. Right. So like, but as a training mission, the fact that it was a training mission was like it made it super effective, like super yeah. clever. I thought the Hitman series has always been. I feel like. If not, I mean, it's it's never really had a, a sort of overt sense of humor, but I feel like there have just been slight little touches here and there where, mm-hmm. like, like oh, the, sure. the blood money level where you're just wearing a chicken costume and just right. stuff like that yeah. where yeah, it's just yeah. kind of like... There's so many ways... For a game, yeah. Just killing people that are super weird. Sorry, I didn't... No, yeah. Worry, but yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to poison this dog with a weird sausage. And like, it's going to get really irate. And then yeah. it's gonna, like, you know, yep. instead yep. of yep. just going up and shooting people in the head. Yeah, for a game that's like a power fantasy where you're just like the most efficient, cold-blooded killer of all yeah. time. And then like, he's just walking around in like a stupid costume. It's a like good, a yeah. It's a yeah. good acknowledgement of the fact that like the vast majority of players are never actually Gotta going to play it play like, like the yeah. ultra-efficient killer like we right. all sort of like wink and agree that mm-hmm. that in the end the end result is like okay he got there but yeah. along the way he probably looked like an idiot a lot of the time right i saw a review <laughs> of this game on i think the av club and the way they summed it up is that like this game is yeah in theme supposed to be you know a world of assassination uh yeah, and in reality you're just you're just kind of playing uh like naked gun <laughs> like, <laughs> which i thought was really good like yeah. That's basically just what this character is. He just sort of like buffoons his way through a level and like figures it out as he goes along, which is yeah, I don't know. I like that about these games. I think they're I think they're like just really in some ways, like I feel like Hitman still doesn't get its due. Like I just feel like I agree. It's a very it's, it's been a very weirdly for for a series it's such that's, an understated franchise. Yeah, for yeah. for being something that's like about such a like a ridiculously dark topic. Yeah. It's 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 kind of um a quiet franchise that's been plugging a- along for like 16 years now. I'm surprised the first Hitman came out in 2000. Yeah, I'm su- I'm surprised that it's lasted this long too. Quite yeah. honestly, yeah, because it doesn't feel like it's ever broken out in a big way. No, it had, not a, even... it had a multiple movies, which is very odd. Yeah, none of which I don't think anyone cared about in the slightest. Th- Did you see the way that they promoted? Oh, also, sorry, sorry, Steve pointed out that it's the same. It's been the same voice actor for really? sixteen years. Wow, that's so which funny. is amazing. That's really cool. Anyway, go. go I need ahead. to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, was, was that say, uh... Sam and Max hit the road? <laughs> no, I need wow. to go to the bathroom, Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was close. You to go to the that, bathroom. Really. That is yeah. like one of my favorite moments in any adventure game. Is when you're in the convenience store. And yeah, and Max good. just like won't shut up. Yeah. about having to go to the bathroom yeah, God, until I you figure out that. how to fucking get into the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steph, you were. Oh yeah, did you see their marketing for this thing? At least in no. The I mean, UK. I clearly didn't because I didn't. I basically didn't know it existed. Um, they. This is pretty crazy, actually. They set up a real life, kind of acted version of hitman whereby you could control a real human actor that looks like agent 47 via a control oh, room I and you talk to him and say go and do this thing and it's like over youtube or like no i mean they filmed work? it and then put it up with I various see, different okay. people but they've set up um the classic mansion from i guess hitman 2 or 1 remember the, like the first level yeah. of one of the early hitmans was that mansion. They basically set up that mansion and it's filled with actors. And, you know, you just say hitman, like 
take, kill that person and take their clothes How or whatever. You, and then, you just say Hitman. Yeah, I guess <laughs> Hitman. Do the thing. But the only... like, I, I imagine this is super cool and they did a really cool cut of all these fucking cool people playing this thing. But yeah. the only version of it that I've seen is where they got a couple of children's TV presenters from the UK called the Chuckle Brothers, who have been on television since I was a kid hmm. and are basically like slapstick clowns who they their like key phrase is that they're they're like painter decorator characters and they're always carrying stuff and they always whilst carrying stuff say to me to you to me to you that is their thing like they've been saying <laughs> wow. this for 30 years god wow they it's are like playing the this British fucking thing hitman thing yeah i, I have no <laughs> idea why they, why they were on the tv to begin with or right. are still there but they are this weird beloved like institution now oh, britain and they're playing this fucking game and you know they're on like they're like super young kids mm. and they're just like kill that guy with the hammer <laughs> like, and then every now and again just like making people carry stuff and right. like to me to you to me to you <laughs> but they're also just like shoot that guy in the face right <laughs> so weird wow go watch that another great example <laughs> of the of like, tonal inconsistency of yeah it man. totally breaks it uh, but it also makes it yeah. way better as well yeah. it's kind of like you guys- if you guys were playing hitman yeah doing like a weird let's play or something and you had you right had someone yeah. weird with you that's just demanding you do stupid shit <laughs> that <laughs> have you guys seen this weird first person movie that's coming out yeah, yeah it's it looks hardcore henry appealing to me yeah. yeah yeah but what a weird thing that exists and yeah. that i didn't know existed but is probably clearly a gross indicator of like where movies and film are going to be i like, don't know if it's an indicator of anything it looks pretty oh, under I, the radar i don't think that is going to be like I, don't know. I I bet there are film. I know there are film studios that are that are looking into like, oh, we've got to we've got to get into the VR game. I don't and think I, any of it's oh, going to go anywhere. I hope so, <laughs> but I just, I but I, I just I, know any, there are going to be a few years like, where they're trying it. And it's going to be yeah, awkward. Look what happened and gross. with 3D movies, though. I know that they still come out sometimes. Yeah, like especially animated movies and big action movies, but like. It's totally just like not a thing. Like yeah. it's basically not a thing. That's actually what I when when they were somebody um, threw a quote out that that VR is too big to fail, mm-hmm. which I thought was hilarious considering that 3D TV just like yeah, every true. TV sold in the last like ten years has been a 3D TV or Except something. And not like, anymore. It, well, yeah, it, gone, up, yeah they now. basically stopped. Whoops. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. I think VR fail. has a better shot than 3D TVs because VR is specifically target. Well, it's it's also specifically targeting like an audience that will know how to find out about it and care mm, about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas 3d TVs was trying to just be like for, for everyone. It was like, this right. is just the new, what TV is if we can make, make it that. Um, and it just, it required a lot of specific content and so on. Whereas VR obviously requires specific content equally, but games are a world that have always like video games are built on building things for specific platforms yeah. and like, TV is not like TV and movies have always been. You just shoot the thing, yeah, and then you can put it on any like screen or device or whatever, and like the creator doesn't have to worry about that. I mean, they they do if they care about making it better for those things, but like essentially, it's still always going to be a flat image with sound behind it. And like, but games, it's like they're always different for every single platform you put them on, and people who play games understand that, and they understand like there's different hardware and different platforms, and like they used to spending more money than people who just like buy a Netflix account. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think VR is the future of entertainment, but I think it has a better shot than 3d TV. Yeah. 
it's just so weird that we are living in like I can remember in the early 90s reading like a Newsweek article or something about probably like somebody like Noel Bushnell or some one of those guys Nolan just, Bushnell, yeah. or Nolan Bushnell rather and in the concept was like, man, in the future, people are going to go to movie theaters and watch first-person entertainment, and then they're going to shout options. Like, there are going to be options on screen, and they're well, all going to just... once. They're all going to, like, shout things. <laughs> that was things. one movie that was that. I know, but, like, <laughs> it's weird that we're living in the reality like Mr. where, like... Mr. Payback? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Right, yeah. Oh, my that God. That was that. Yeah. A movie where you can, like, tell a guy to beat up a grandmother with a chair or something? <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like that Hitman thing I was just talking <laughs> yeah, about, yeah. basically. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was a basically a branching. It was essentially a branching FMV game. Right. It was a movie, and the movie had like buzzers, and the audience would vote. Not they didn't buzz, but like you know, little devices, and the audience would vote on what is going to happen in the next scene. Mm-hmm. So, it sounds so annoyingly. Yeah. No. Like, obviously, it's terrible. Like that's obviously an awful rewarding like, idea. It, it's there's a reason it only happened once, or you know, I don't know, maybe twice. Sounds like um, Star Wars: um, The Old Republic. That that MMO oh, version God, of Kotor yeah. that had a system whereby um, if you're in a party with people, then it has that Mass Effect style storytelling where you can do the branching storylines, and you know two of you can or four of you can choose the conversation option. Then it rolls to see who wins, and it goes down that direction and that's so fucking annoying and unsatisfying because <laughs> you're just seeing the story that you don't didn't want at all. Like if you're playing with someone. Who's just opposite of you? Yeah, yeah. they're just like being this aggressive idiot. Or like, you're ruining my fucking story. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, I I I totally forgot about that. Man, it's been so long since I I saw that game. Yeah, yeah, that game is apparently doing very well right now. Yeah, still cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's free to play, but I guess yeah. Now that Star Wars is like a big thing, oh, they yeah. just kind of like give it, gave it another push, and I guess yeah. it actually worked. And is well, it also feels viable. like when it when it came out, <clears throat> it already was off to a better start than most yeah. of the sort of traditional MMOs that were yeah were, were sort of in the in a decline for sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, reader mail, reader mail. Yeah, let's maybe just do one. This has been a quite a long podcast. Sure. Um. So Saul Alexander Witten writes, Hi Thumbs, I've been playing Darkest Dungeon since it came out onto Early Access. I actually just completed it two days ago. I was around when the Corpse update came out, and while it was slightly jarring to have to realign how I played combat, I felt even at the time um, that the a lot of the freaking out was uh, overblown. I didn't argue on the internet because, you know, I value my time and sanity more than that. Ironically, I guess, given how much time I sank into this game about going insane. Um, but I suspect I was part of a silent majority of players who had no major issue with the change, and I'm glad the dev didn't bend to that pressure. I just checked, and the option is still available in the final re- release to turn off corpses, but it's clearly marked as a set of non-default gameplay options. And there's an achievement you can only get if you complete the game on the intended defaults, which feels like a, a good use of achievements. Anyway, if you read this on air and any of the devs happen to be listening, I wanted to mention that not everyone was upset by the changes made during early access. It's a fantastic game, and I've loved every moment of the 243 hours I've spent with it. Pretty sure that's the most time I've spent on any game ever. Cheers, Saul. And then he actually followed up uh, later with an email that says, An addendum, having listened further into the episode... Chris's statement that he looks for about a 50% completion rate as a good target for a developer made me wonder how many players have the achievement for completing Darkest Dungeon. Mm. I was sure it would be fairly low as it is a very long, very long game. It is 0.6%. Oh my god. Wow. Even better, there's an achievement for reaching the estate, which happens after the tutorial stage at the start of the game. How many have that? 50.3%. I'm not surprised. I guess they achieved their goal of making it hard. Cheers, Saul. 
I'm not at all surprised by that actually. Because yeah. I mean, I, my my first experience with that game was it's hard bouncing off of it yeah. real fast. Yeah. Um, um, that's interesting though. I mean, like I don't know. When I was watching that talk, I almost like wanted to stick around after. I didn't have time, but I wanted to stick around after and just like talk to that guy. I guess I, know, I, I guess Soren Johnson yeah. did. So you can listen oh, really? to it on yeah, the that's true. He did yes. future podcast Upcoming on the Apple Podcast Network. Yeah. On um, designer notes. Yeah. Yes, but uh. uh yeah, I feel like, um, I mean, we mentioned this the other day, but like, you know, making a game like that, obviously, and, you know, I worked at Bethesda where you're making games that have pretty, um, you know, in-depth systems that are very yeah. hard to balance and tricky. And you don't, when you release the game, you don't know how people are going to yeah. react to it. And so you spend a lot of time looking on the forums right. and reading feedback and you f- get it's you find it's very interesting. I'm sure you, you know, in your in your line of work as well, you know, it's like, God, you, you, you get hyper focused on what people are saying and it you take a lot of things like very seriously that you have to kind of remind yourself later that maybe there is a silent majority out there that is just enjoying it and not going on the forums and you know what I mean? And it's I feel like it's very easy to take um, a lot of that very personally, and I, I was, I don't know, listening to that talk, I felt kind of just really bad for that guy. Yeah. It's tough <laughs> because, because you have to read it, right? You want to, like, it's, well, you don't also have to, sometimes there are, you, there are things that are There wrong, are things, but, yeah, of course. Obviously. But, and it's hard to, it's hard to know, you know, oh, there's a forum thread with, like, 20 posts. Okay, what does that represent, really? You know, like, I don't know, yeah, should, how seriously do you take this thing? Like, yeah. are we, how do you extrapolate one, okay, if there's one guy, then... Do we give him the weight of a hundred people who just didn't, you know, write in? Or like, right. how do you, how do, how do you even react to that stuff? It's really, yep. it's really hard to know. And so, as a consequence, I think, you know, when there's even a slight sort of flare up, you, you, you tend to just react to it really, vicious, you know, just, just, just take it mm-hmm. very, very poorly. And it, you yeah, know, it's, it's very easy to let yourself swing wildly back and forth. Mm-hmm. I also want to point out um, that there was there were several readers on the forums, on the forum thread for last week's episode. Uh, on idlethumbs.net that who were I think sort of bristled at my discussion or my my recounting last week because there were people on the forums who said well I I didn't like the corpses and mm. you know I wasn't one of the people who was like hurling invective at the oh. at the developer but like I didn't think it was a good change and mm-hmm. you know so and I did I didn't mean to suggest that I was dismissing that as a criticism of game design right I was just trying to communicate the like absolutely incontrovertibly overblown way people reacted to a game design issue. Yeah. Um, But like, I don't really have a horse in the race in terms of whether corpses are good or bad. Um, (laughs) I I really don't like, I don't remember how I felt about them, honestly, like at the time that I last played the game, but, uh, but yeah, this stuff is just really, really hard as a developer. It's really difficult to know what feedback you should use and what you shouldn't because in re- like, you know, someone on the forums said like, I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss strong feedback. Um, and, and that's true. But the thing that makes that difficult is that you can essentially find feedback arguing every single possible mm-hmm. yeah. like yeah, reaction. Like you, sure. you could, you like if you, it's true that you shouldn't dismiss feedback just because it's extreme, right? Like, it is totally possible that people reacting in an extreme way have a lot of overlap on the Venn diagram with people having the exact same criticism made in a reasonable way. Mm-hmm. Um, that is totally possible. But also, I, you can probably, generally speaking, you can find separately a whole bunch of people 
advocating for the exact opposite um, in both reasonable and unreasonable right. terms. So it, it, it like, and you combine that with the fact that people tend to react to almost any change negatively. So that like every time Twitter changes anything, for instance, like they change the what was it the the stars to hearts, mm-hmm. people went ape shit yeah. over that for about a week, and I haven't seen anyone mention it a single time in like the last month. I mean, it's just so it's really, really hard to know how you should weight feedback because it's subject to so many human like imperfections, you know, as is the game design, like the game designer, him or herself is also subject Mm -hmm. to all of these subjective things that are like difficult for them to know if they're making it for a really good reason or not. Like all human feedback is human and that makes it really difficult. Yeah. It's tough with these like single player RPGs too, where it always feels like when you're playing a game like this, it feels well. One to me, it feels somewhat analogous to having almost like a board game that you've purchased, and it's this is the game, you know. This is yeah. But then when you're when you're sort of live updating something mm-hmm, like that, for sure, it's like somebody's coming in your living room and just kind of taking away one of the game pieces, and you're right. going like, "What? Well, I just that's yeah. my don't steal my board game. That's yeah. why are you doing that?" And it, yeah. Like I think you know, with games like Skyrim and and Darkest Dungeon and these games that you're playing hundred for hundreds of hours, and then suddenly one little thing is tweaked, and it just sort of don't even tears on the wall like of this thing, feeling like, yeah. oh, this, I thought this was my single player. Th- I thought this was the yeah. thing I pl- no, this oh, yeah. this is actually just kind of a weird thing. It's not like <laughs> an enclosed, walled off experience. Um, so it is a weird, it's a weird relationship. It's not, it's not this perfectly vanilla thing. I guess it is if. You're playing it on console with no Ethernet connection, <laughs> but like right, that's about right. the, and I'm, you know, yeah, I don't yep. know. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah Soren Johnson was saying that he keeps branches. I think mm. he was saying of his game, mm-hmm. the different versions of it, to be able to like go back and play a past version of it. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but even that is like that. Ha- that has a lot of sort of meaning to it, right? I mean, then you're saying like, oh, these are interchangeables in a way. Like mm-hmm. uh, all these decisions have have unintended meanings yep anyway good podcast yeah oh yeah yeah thanks for being on it if you have email i know we didn't read a lot of email this week but uh that was just because we went kind of long um we do really really love getting your email you can send it to questions at idlethumbs.net and uh we do our best to read as much of it as we can uh you can find us on twitter at idlethumbs if you like this show please consider rating us on itunes or telling a friend. Um, we got an email from someone this week who was introduced to the show by a friend, and I guess they went back and started from episode one and are <laughs> up to like episode 40 now. And they, uh, so this, this person will hear this mention of the, this oblique reference to themselves <laughs> right. in like a year, probably. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, I don't think you should recommend your friends start from episode one. You can if you want, but that's a lot of podcasts to catch up on. Yeah. I was reflecting the other day because we, people have been like, tracking down their first tweets because Twitter celebrated its 10 year anniversary recently. So I found my first tweet, which was when my account was just only existed for the purpose of promoting the idle thumbs podcast because we didn't know how to promote the idle thumbs podcast and still don't. Uh, (laughs) And my first tweet ever was new podcast, idle thumbs Two: the fanboys lament. And then a bitly link that is dead. Actually the link still works. The link still works if you manually copy and paste it into your browser, but then it takes you to a dead MP3 link. Right. So, so anybody who's reading Chris's uh, Twitter feed from the first from the first tweet on, 
uh, when you get to <laughs> yeah. when you get to this podcast, you'll know to right. copy paste that bitly yeah. yep. uh, yep. into your thing. <laughs> um, <and laughs> Super I, God. mode. It made yeah. me reflect on because I saw that, and because hilariously, my first tweet was not about the first episode; it was about the second episode. Yeah. Idle I thumbs know, two, the fanboys lament. Yeah, um, Nick, I don't know if you remember our discussions about like how to number and name the podcasts. You yeah, remember vaguely. that at all? Yeah. yeah. Basically, the reason that we didn't have a number sign or like call it episode two oh, or anything right. yeah. is because we thought it was hilarious to name them like sequels. That's why they have these like weird subtitles. <laughs> um, Idle thumbs to the fanboys lament. Like we thought it was really funny to just name the podcast like an infinite movies or game sequel series. Yeah. Um, and it just never occurred to us that eventually we would be in the hundreds of episodes. Like now we're up to Idle thumbs two fifty five. And it just absolutely never occurred to us in that discussion that like this might seem kind of silly <laughs> once we're yeah we've literally yeah. done hundreds of these things maybe it's just more silly that we've done that many podcasts <laughs> yeah that is or the that ultimate, this show so, has yeah. continued yeah <laughs> that guy who wrote in about darkest dungeon has played darkest dungeon for as amount of time that it would take to listen to every single Idle Thumbs episode. Actually, much like, fewer than that. Or like, yeah, so you, there you He would go. have so to basically could. play that podcast. He'd, play, <laughs> he'd have to play like 50% more, because a lot of these podcasts are longer than an hour. Oh, he okay. would probably have... He played for like 240-something. We're in the 250s. Like, he would probably have to... But it's pretty close. Like, if you're talking about not going back and listening to them all... Yeah, that's true. You if you're looking it, to really dig into Darkest pick Dungeon... Up, pick up Darkest Dungeon... <laughs> Delve into our dungeon of podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Delve into our darkest podcast dungeon. 0.6% of people made it <laughs> made it to episode 255. Man, if we had 0.6% of like the pod, entire podcast listening audience, we'd be in a good state probably. That's I true. Yeah. That's true. So does that mean that the true episode name for this podcast is in fact all of the names of the podcast with colon between each one. You know, like Jedi oh, Knight gross. 2, Dark Forces 1, like all that <sighs> shit. No, I don't so think... So it's like Idle Thumbs uh, 2, Fanboys Lament, colon, whatever Oof, 3 gross, was, no. whatever 4 was. I don't think so. That's too horrible to, too dark <laughs> yeah. to contemplate. Although we did, Idle Thumbs 12 did have a sequel. <gasps> there was Idle Thumbs 12 and Idle Thumbs 12 2. <laughs> oh, that's right. And also there was no Idle Thumbs 2... I think there, there's like hilarious yeah it was to like make up for the fact that like eventually we lost an episode we actually straight up lost an episode it was like corrupted beyond repair and then we just left its its title it's left its number out of the continuity and the because of all of our fucking around over the years with like that and with 12-2 and like all the other bullshit we did we now are back to like mm. parody where if you look at the track number on the mp3 of this week it should say actually 255 which matches the title idle thumbs 255 right like that stuff is now synced up again <laughs> and dealt with all the plus ones and minus ones that have like evened each other out over the years so we're, anyway this podcast is stupid though yeah questions at idlethumbs.net you can find all of our shows at idlethumbs.net uh, we're launching a new show this week look out for it <gasps> hopefully on thursday yeah tomorrow so um, not hosted by us, but hosted by a cool person. So look for it. Thanks for listening. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.